This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. Back to You is up next. But first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. On this week's Minutia Men Celebrity Interview, we interview a great writer. He's an author of one of this quintessential mob books. But it's not a mob book like Who Killed Who or whatever. It's mob adjacent. And the author's name is Jeffrey Gentili, and he will be joining us. All kinds of great stories about the Chicago mob. Listen to the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is back to you with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Steve, yes, we passed Labor Day 2020. Put your white suit and your white shoes away. I'm still distressed over something, and it just happened today. That is my unofficial end of fall, uh, end of summer, beginning of fall. You're right about put those white suits away. But uh, th- uh, for the first time in three months, I got pants on. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I guess I should clarify that. No, you shouldn't. But I have long pants on. I have long pants on. For, uh, since May or so, I have had shorts on because the weather has been so terrific in terms of warmth. And now it's 60 degrees today as we speak. And, it, and to me, this is it. I know we'll have warmer days, but the first day that I have to put pants on is when I usually say summer's over. Well, you know, it has to be like below zero for me to wear pants other than shorts. You know, <laughs> I wear shorts a yeah, lot. Yeah, you wear fl- you wear <laughs> you wear flip flops in February. <laughs> Not quite. Do you walk around the house in like your underwear? No, we've talked about this. You get all dressed up. Yeah, do you walk around that? Yeah, I have underwear on. <laughs> but that's not it. <laughs> this is a horrible way to begin this today, isn't it? Yes. Talking about pants and shorts and underwear. Uh, but that's what the pandemic has done. It has made us uh, uh, just crazy. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's signs of, uh, I, of a lot now to distract me because I'm a real f- sports fan and every kind of sport you can name is on TV and available, so I feel pretty good about yeah, that. Yeah, everything's going on. I'll drink to that. You know what that means? Uh, yeah, you're uh, a liquor head. Yes. Anybody ever, you ever heard that expression, liquor head? Yeah, I have. Um, no, it yeah. means it's our transition. We got a, we got a guest today, <laughs> a special guest. And uh, But I wanted to say something before we got to him. Okay. Jo- uh, because uh, Johnny jumped right in that swimming pool. Johnny jumped. Right in the deep end. <laughs> yes yeah so this this uh, podcast today is right up your alley it's your cup of tea as they say with something oh. in it <laughs> oh. uh, because it's uh but see i read an article the other day that i think uh, is perfect for this particular podcast because we are dealing with things uh liquor related right yes uh, we think yeah. we're, okay so uh, there's a family that was in England, and uh, they had a son back in 1992, and the father, on the first year of the son's uh, 
lifespan said, let me give this little boy a gift, something special. And on a whim, he bought some McAllen single malt whiskey. And uh, it was 17-year-old whiskey. And for each of his birthdays until his 18th birthday, he kept buying on the birthday a bottle of whiskey, never opening the bottle of whiskey, oh. but just as something commemorating the birthday. And when his son became of drinking age and saw all these bottles in his room, uh, he was anxious to to say, oh, maybe we should open one of these because I'm of age now. And the father said, no, promise me that you will never buy uh, open any of these bottles that I buy you. And he continued to buy for the son's birthday a bottle of whiskey. McAllen whiskey is the name of it. Yeah. And on his 28th birthday, 28th birthday, I guess was like last week or something. Uh, the son decided to get these bottles appraised just on a whim because his dad was making such a big deal out of them. And he discovered that his collection of those McAllen bottles of whiskey are worth over $50,000. Oh. And he's got buyers from Europe from Asia, from the United States, all anxious to bid and purchase this collection of whiskey. And the dad says he maybe paid five grand total over 28 years. Uh-huh. And now, but they have gone up in value through the years to become this collectible that's even greater than, you know, baseball cards. It's just like having the oh, sure. Joe DiMaggio rookie card. And I was astonished to think that a bottle of whiskey could have that kind of value. Because it's rare. Yeah. 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 I, it just never crossed my mind that uh, I didn't know whether there was a lifespan of it. I mean, can you, oh, there was 1974 as they date back that far. That was a very good year. I didn't know whether whiskey gets old. <laughs> does it get old? Does it, does it still keep its taste? I don't know anything about that. And I was curious about whether our guest might might know something like that. It gets better. There. Yeah, our guest is... The value uh, of whiskey. His name is uh, Ross Hunt, and he is with the Unmuddled Bartending Company. And he started his own business. We're going to find out about that. What do you say I call him, Steve? Yeah, you're so bold with these nowadays. Let's Let, see. Let's call, call him. Let's, and see, let's see, see. Will he I want to answer. see if he answers. Will, <laughs> will he answer? That's what I want to know. That's two rings. I'm not feeling Doesn't good. sound good, Howard. I'm not feeling good. <laughs> Have another sip. Hello? There he is. Ross. Here I am. How are How's you? Going, Howard? Good, Howard. How are you? I'm good. Steve is on here. We've already been uh, liquor talking. I can tell. <laughs> well, I didn't say I didn't say drinking. Uh, okay, my mistake. Steve's having. Well, I actually have had one. Yeah, um, Steve's had yeah. coffee so far. Okay, Ross, like I'm coffee. just trying. I'm just trying to wake up, man. My my uh, my clock my clock my inner clock is so out of whack that I'm just yeah. uh, you know drinking and eating things all different times of the day. But it's great to talk to you. Uh, this afternoon, because I have a feeling I'm going to learn some stuff that I didn't know, because I'm not really a teetotaler, but I'm I'm not really one that drinks a lot. You're not even close to a teetotaler. A... No, Who but I don't know. Who are no, you talking to? No. 
but I don't. I don't. I looked that up, by the way. I looked up teetotaler, and a tea, and a a teetotaler goes back, I guess, uh, to the suffragette uh, age where they were trying to do away with liquor, and uh, uh, I think it was somebody who was so committed to totally not drinking alcohol that they made it two t's and instead of two t's they spelled it t-e-e that man over there should be a t-totaler huh uh, have you never heard that phrase a, ross no i've never heard that phrase steve well that's an ancient phrase that's about as old as howard <laughs> that's why <I'm, laughs> no, that's an old that's an old Exactly. I'm still trying to catch up to the stuff that Howard knows from back in his day. And, uh, oh, but, but 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 Ross, I'm I'm am anxious to talk some of uh, this talk because um, I only I have one preference. If I am going to drink liquor, okay. I like vodka. I okay. like vodka. I don't know whether Howard is that your favorite. Do you have a favorite? start for liquor i mean in terms of from there you'll start to make a drink out of it do you like vodka do you like scotch do you like gin what is your preference i like vodka best go overall i do like margaritas margaritas so i like tequila but i like vodka best overall all right so vodka actually has gotten um a bad rap in the mixology world um at least, uh, it, it's obviously a very uh, popular consumer demanded product. Um, a uh-huh. well-made vodka is tasteless and odorless. Um, and for that reason, it kind of had a bad rap in the mixology world because us, you know, snobby mixologists would say that vodka doesn't add much depth to a cocktail other than just, um, alcohol. Um, so we would prefer to reach for like a gin or tequila or something mm. that adds a little bit of other flavors or um, complexity to a drink, if you will. Um, so there's actually some well-known cocktail bars that didn't even serve vodka for a while. Um, but, you know, because consumers mm. demand it, people, I'd say all mm-hmm. bars nowadays obviously serve vodka. Um, and because it's mostly tasteless and odorless, um, assuming it's not a flavored vodka, um, it usually pairs well with just about any flavor, so it can go can go really well with any sort of mixers or drinks, um, which is why it's you know now, universally enjoyed. Well, I really didn't now, Ross, know that it was. Can, you... Go, Steve. No, no, go, go. Well, I'm See, I'm just saying I was margaritas. Sur- no, I'm su- <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised to hear that one too many margaritas over there one teetotaler are you in the group that uh, are you down on vodka ross um i would tend to i prefer aged liquors for the most part but for my tequilas i like my tequilas blanco um and then i prefer aged liquors like whiskeys or aged brandies or scotches and things that are a little darker um that said i, I if it was the a choice between no drinks and vodka, I'd, I'd of course choose vodka. Okay. Well, that might uh, answer what ha- I did uh, something for a, a group of folks. I had um, emceed an event, and as a thank you, uh, they had asked me, "What's your favorite uh, drink?" Or well, if you were going to have a libation, what would you choose? And I mentioned uh, vodka, 
and I got a beautiful present of this gray goose, but it said <clears throat> the gray goose had a hint. It had a hint of cognac in it. And I didn't know what that meant. It looks like it was already attempted to be mixed. Does that make sense? Grey Goose has some flavor out now that already has the cognac in it. I personally have haven't heard of seen, such a thing. I haven't seen any vodkas with a hint of cognac. Um, in theory, yeah. you can really pair any liquors with vodka, and vodka would just you know enhance the um, liquor content uh-huh. of it or the proof. Okay. Um, uh-huh. uh, you know, you've obviously obviously seen like fruit flavored vodkas and things like that. Um, I personally haven't seen one with with cognac. That'd be interesting though. To, to yeah, give a shot I, I have not cracked it open yet. I haven't cracked it open yet, but I just thought, huh? I never seen or heard of anything like that, and that just yeah, goes hand in hand with what you're talking about. So uh, it gave me the impression that I guess vodka, like you mentioned, can be mixed with many things. Yeah. Yeah. Again, if, if you're just looking to have a, a flavored drink of some sort with some other liquor, but you just want it to be stronger, feel free to just add, add a little bit of vodka. <laughs> well, Ross, you're going to get a lot of uh, basic questions, at least from me, because I'm far from an expert on all of this. But uh, what is cognac? Is that a is that a liqueur? Is that a sweet uh, drink? Uh, what is it? Sure. So uh, cognac is a type of brandy. Um, brandies are typically made from grapes or distilled from grapes, although it can be distilled from other fruits as well. Um, basically a fruit spirit, uh, cognac specifically is made from grapes grown in, as you can imagine, the cognac region of France. Um, it's probably the most popular type of brandy and um, that there is, uh, it is a little sweeter cause it is distilled from grapes. Um, while other, you know, liquors are distilled from grains or, or other, other raw materials. Um, but yeah, cognac is, is a little bit of a sweeter grape distilled spirit from, from the cognac reason of, of, uh, France. Huh. Now, if, uh, Ross, if we went to the Hennessy bar, an example. now, Go if ahead, we went sorry. to the bar together, Ross, what would be your favorite drink? If you were just taking a break, uh, not mixing, uh, your own, but would ask for a drink, what would you ask for? Hi. Um, I go through phases. Um, I usually rotate between um, whiskey or tequila. Um, so I like I like a good margarita, kind of like Howard. Uh, not too sweet though. Um, I like a version uh-huh. of what's called the, the Tommy's margarita, which is just three ingredients: agave, um, a 100% agave blanco tequila, and um, lime juice, and and that's it. Um, so I kind of um, skip the triple sack or the orange liqueur that you find in some some uh, traditional margarita recipes. Yeah, and I find that a little little too sweet for me. Um, so I'll go through go for like a nice refreshing margarita, or I like um, I like a good old fashioned with a bourbon, um, just because I like the I like boozy stirred drinks like like an old fashioned uh, bourbon is my favorite uh, my favorite type of whiskey. Um, and uh, old fashioned is, is a great way to taste the whatever bourbon you're featuring in your in your drink, and um, with a little bit of balance from the sweetness and the bitters. Um, I think it's one of the perfect cocktails to drink. Ross, the old fashioned. Why don't you uh, tell us your story real quickly? Because you are not quickly. This is a podcast. We, we, we go forever. But anyway, oh boy. you <laughs> you started out you. Uh, 
number one, <laughs> I admire it because you, you, you're doing something you love now. And you yeah. said you were in the corporate world and you left all that behind with a salary and all this stuff to, yeah. to pursue your passion, which is bartending and, you know, all things, you know, liquor and, 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 you know, craft cocktail craze and all this stuff. So why don't you tell us what led to that and, and how it's gone for you? What exactly what you do? Sure. Sure. Um, so out of college, I went to Indiana university, go Hoosiers, um, or go big 10 for those who maybe are from the mm -hmm. Midwest who went to another big 10 school. Um, and, uh, yeah, entered the corporate world. Um, cause that's what you're quote unquote supposed to do when you go to college. <laughs> yeah. Um, and did some consulting, uh, bounced around at a couple startups, um, Namely, did a lot of customer-facing work, um, customer success, account management, um, things like that. And while I, I enjoyed the interaction of that and working with people, um, I didn't love the, the corporate aspects of it and the red tape and um, just being micromanaged and then things like that. Um, so I, what well, wasn't really really feeling it, I knew it's not something I wanted to do, you know, for the rest of my life. Um, and maybe that came through because eventually I was at one of the startups um, and I was laid off, uh, a group of people who was laid off, uh, which at the time was, you know, unfortunate. And, and I was pretty bummed, but uh, I naturally went to go drink um, the, the <laughs> next the next night to kind of deal with my sorrows. Yeah. Um, I went to this this cocktail bar here in Chicago in the loop and they had something on the cocktail menu that at the time I hadn't seen before. And it's called Dealer's Choice. Um, it's where you, um, as a customer outline a taste profile of a drink to the bartender. Um, so for example, I probably said something like something with whiskey that's very boozy, that tastes a little bitter because I was probably feeling bitter at the time. Um, and the customer or the bartender creates a custom cocktail based on that taste profile right on the spot. Um, so a little, like a very cool interactive experience. The idea being you don't get the same drink twice um and you can kind of customize mm -hmm. your experience based on what you're you know feeling in that moment um and something about that experience was very um intriguing to me and leaving me wanting to learn more um the hospitality of it the creativity of it um i just you know loved the overall experience of it um let alone the cocktail itself <laughs> was great um and uh yeah, something clicks in my mind you know i I'd just been laid off i've been looking for kind of a new path because I was being called back really to the corporate world that I had been a part of for um, a few years up to that point. And uh, yeah, I've always been interested in service and hospitality and, and, and working with people, like I said. So um, I decided to take a leap into um, the hospitality industry, specifically bartending, obviously. Um, so instead of applying for a new um, corporate job, um, I applied for a bartending job and got a job as a bartender on the suburbs of Chicago um, for about nine months or so. Um, so a little, so I worked quote unquote professionally um, a little under a year. Um, and since then kind of just immersed myself into the craft cocktail culture. Um, just, you know, networking, uh, reading a ton. I've gotten a bunch of um, different certifications from different organizations, um, listening to podcasts, um, and really just trying to immerse myself and learn everything that I can about the craft cocktail culture um, and, and cocktails and hospitality. Um, and I think, you know, I've come to learn that the craft cocktail culture is one of the best 
cultures, I think, that there is in the world. Everyone's so inclusive and creative and hospitable and just a culture I'm happy and proud to be a part of. And, and there's, a, there's always so much to learn. Um, I like to think that I know a bit about the um, culture and, and bartending and cocktails, but there's always more to learn, which is exciting. Um, I used to say back in my corporate days that I missed um, learning things that I, that I cared about. I'd always learn things like make my customers mm-hmm. happy at the time or that would make my boss happy. And like that was making me better at my job. Um, but I personally, at a personal level, didn't really care about what I was learning uh, necessarily. Yeah. Now, as I'm like reading the next cocktail book or rereading the next cocktail book on my bookshelf, it's actually something that I care about and that I enjoy. Um, and then I've kind of translated that knowledge into this company that I started called Unmuddled Bartending Company. Um, the, our mission, if you will, is to uh, promote hospitality through interactive cocktail experiences. So whether at a you know a house party for a birthday party, um, a corporate event, a wedding, um, we, pro- we provide bar services um, for events. Um, we try to make them interactive, whether it's a dealer's choice type of menu, a build-your-own cocktail type of menu. So um, there's a saying um, that we have on our website that says we're not here to just pour you a vodka soda. Um, we want to kind of take it to the next level and provide actual genuine hospitality and make it interactive somehow um, so that instead of just getting a vodka soda, you maybe learn something or create a drink that you never had before, um, even if you're at someone's backyard. Um, and then I also teach mixology classes. So um, with COVID, we pivoted a bit to do virtual Zoom classes, which has been um, a lot of fun. Um, obviously not an ideal situation given that we're in a global pandemic, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. the, the ability to do virtual classes through zoom and things like that has allowed me to connect with people across the country, um, sometimes across the world often at the same time, which is something that we wouldn't have been able to do, uh, or people wouldn't have been willing to do necessarily, uh, before COVID hit. Um, but now hopefully the virtual experience is, um, Maybe not hopefully, but I think the, the virtual experiences are something that's probably going to stick around for a little bit. So really embracing that, um, but also doing in-person classes as well, something that we did pre-COVID and on a smaller scale as well. Um, now that COVID is relatively, um, I don't want to say under control, but something that we are learning more about and mm-hmm. able to safely do in, in-person classes, um, again, on, on, a, on a smaller scale. So. Um, yeah, my intention is to give people, you know, their own dealer's choice moment, if you will, and allow them and empower them to create their own cocktails because, um, you know, cocktails seems like there's a whole lot to learn and kind of confusing. And while that's kind of true, if you really dig deep into it, um, at least on the surface, there's a very easy way to, to approach cocktails and using simple template recipes to, you know, be able to learn your own cocktails and using household ingredients, especially when you're sheltering in place, you know, you can have a you can have a good cocktail at home um, that you can get at another bar, even if you can't go to that bar, just by learning some some simple steps. So that's what I'm trying to, now, trying Ross, to promote into the world. Now, Ross, would you have, a, you know, like chefs have their own file of recipes. I, I bet you you've <laughs> got a library of, of, of drinks that, that you can just call upon that you've discovered over the years here? I mean, do you have a file system of some kind or, I mean, cause it, it, it seems like it's endless, the things that you can mix together, right? 
it is endless, which is kind of the cool part about it. Um, obviously, not all mm-hmm. flavors will mix well together or necessarily be balanced, um, but that you know is part of the mm-hmm. part of the learning process. Um, I definitely have um, a couple of notebooks. I need to be more organized than I am. Organization isn't one of my <laughs> one of my strong suits. Um, but I have like a, a few notebooks. I don't know why I have three, but I should just have one. But I have three different notebooks that I like randomly write recipes or ideas in. Um, and then I have another section yeah. of notes on my computer. Um, so wherever I am, wherever, whenever an idea comes to me or whenever I try something that I like or see something at a bar that I like, um, I try to try to take notes. Um, and, and one day hopefully we'll compile it into, into one area. Um, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I try to document yeah, it, as much as I can. It sounds to me like you could take Howard and me, separate us, and depending on our tastes and personalities, probably come up with a drink that would suit each one of us, right? Yeah, yeah. Is that an approach you would take? Yeah. Yeah, Like I have a feeling. I have a feeling I'm I'm probably a lot different from Howard in that Howard's over there already on his what third margarita? <laughs> Why are you painting this picture, Howard? Of me? <laughs> because I'm on my second. Paint it. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I knew it was. I was close. Um, You're close. Uh, let's see. Howard's a sporting kind of guy. He's mm-hmm. adventurous. Uh, he yeah. likes to play golf, and you like to be active. I'm a couch sitting guy. I'm a guy who likes, uh, I like to sip on something for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like if I go to a party or to a, a, an event, I'm prone to not have many drinks, but one drink. And I don't know whether there's a particular drink that could be mixed that is more for somebody who likes to approach it that way. Not that not that Howard would have 10 but Howard would probably, <laughs> well, uh, in his Ross, in his bubbly personality, <laughs> in his bubbly personality, he would be more adventurous in his tastes. I would be sure. one who would probably uh, not be like that. Now, are there certain drinks with, that are made more for sipping as opposed to uh, maybe having a couple, two or three? Yeah. Um- there are actually so um you can break drinks down into two categories um which i'm sure you've heard um shaken or stirred um so stirred yes, drinks always are typically wa- drinks you've always wanted to know the difference uh-huh <laughs> yeah i was talking um, to uh, howard about that remember i talked talk to you about that howard and i asked you if you knew the difference between the two no i don't remember <laughs> Well, what do you want? How many margaritas or, or, or did you have five, up to that point? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Right. I, I He's remember. Five, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and and Ross, Ross, you are exactly where I want to. That's See? that was a question on my mind. So there is See? something to this whole shaken or stirred. <laughs> there is. There is. Um, and uh, yeah. So there's a uh, shaking drink, stirred drink, stirred drinks, or something that you, um, Steve, would enjoy. Based on your uh, your depiction of your your personality, yes. um, and yes. uh, shaking drinks is something that Howard would maybe enjoy a little bit more. Um, so stirred drinks are intended to be um, sipped and enjoyed for longer, um, mostly because they are made with most, if not all, alcohol. Um, so okay. the intention oh, being, okay. you know, since it's, since they're stronger drinks, you don't really want to slam them back necessarily. I um, mean, would rather right. in an ideal world, you know. Sit, sit on your couch and, and, you know, sip it and, and enjoy it. 
Um, That's right. Drinks, drinks that are stirred are things like old fashions, martinis, Manhattans, Negronis, things that have all clear ingredients. Um, and again, things that are super boozy, super spirit forward, a lot of alcohol content. Um, and you, you want a really um, smooth, silky, cold um, mouthfeel to the drink. And that's why you stir the drink. So when you stir a drink, um, you're chilling the drink, you're getting it colder, you're adding some dilution in the form of melted ice. Um, and then once you're done yep. stirring, the output, if you will, is, is a nice, cold, smooth, <laughs> silky, uh, silky drink. So, Ross, Ross, wait just a second. It sounds yeah. like if if I took this recommendation, somebody would say, look at Steve. He's tore up. I never saw him get off, off the couch once. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> he must. <laughs> he must be into that boozy, stirred-up drink. But but I like your recommendations. Now, knowing that I like vodka or clear drinks, what, what would a vodka or a gin fall into that category? Could you make that work? Yeah, the, the first thing that comes to mind is just a classic martini. Um, martini okay, okay. is made with either vodka or gin. Um, it's very boost forward. The only modifier added to a traditional martini other than vodka or gin is vermouth, uh, which is an aromatized wine. Um, and people will kind of argue on the different ratios. Um, typically you'll see it with more vodka, um, like two parts vodka to one part vermouth or two ounces vodka to one ounce of, of dry vermouth. Um, so you'll, you'll get a lot of the, uh, lot of the, uh, vodka or gin flavor. And just a little bit of that vermouth. Um, we'll give it a little bit more uh, added character, if you will. Uh-huh. Um, now, that's now, if you, if, oh, go ahead. No, no, I was saying that's opposed to Howard, who's bouncing all around the room at the party. <laughs> talking just, uh, drinking, it up. Drinking uh, vodka Red Bulls. <laughs> out of the bottle. So, Steve, so what, Steve what, why are you bringing it all back to me? because i want to get no 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 i like that i like what ross has done for me i'm wondering what he's going to do for you in that shaken cat he's a shaken category right ross kind of guy yeah 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 it's funny that you said said, um earlier that uh, howard has more more of a bubbly personality (laughs) because the main difference is stirred Stirred and shaking drinks. The main difference is that uh, shaking drinks um, has air bubbles in it, and the drink itself is kind of bubbly. Um, so when you shake when you shake a cocktail, um, you're adding a lot of air bubbles, and you're aerating the cocktail. It gets a nice um, bubbly texture and mouthfeel um, that you that you want with a shaking cocktail relative to a stirred cocktail, which is a little more smooth, um, and you don't get those air bubbles in in stirred cocktails. So the the bubbles in the drink. Howard will fit your bubbly personality if you choose to go that route. I've never been called a bubbly personality until until this until podcast. Now. Yeah. You know, obviously, you know the origin of the shaken, not stirred uh, line or catchphrase, don't you? Uh, Mr. Bond? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So back back in the James Bond era, I mean, originally, I mean, the original martini that was more popular was gin, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people will argue this, but the the original original martini is known to have been made with gin um, as opposed to vodka. And do you do you now, like r- them? And if you do, do you prefer a gin one? Because 
you said that you don't like vodka as much as a mixologist or a you know craft cocktail uh, bartender because of the lack of flavor. Yeah, I'm not a huge martini person, um, and I'm not a huge, huge gin person either. I like gin in more citrusy cocktails, um, things that are that are shaken with with citrus. Um, I wouldn't. I, I would have a martini. Um, I wouldn't personally um, order one myself necessarily, um, unless nothing really else <laughs> appealed to me on on the menu. Yeah. Um, but uh, not 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 for me. Um, but I. Uh, I mean, taste, taste is personal, and I know a lot of people love love their martinis, including James Bond. Now, now, if if now if I were to uh, go to your uh, location where you're mixing drinks, or you you come over my place for the party that we're going to have, mm-hmm. would you? Um, uh, for me, now now is there a certain time of day that a martini is better? Is that a nighttime thing? Is that a two in the afternoon drink? I mean, what? Uh, no, I know. I know that sounds crazy, but I, I always wonder. It, yeah. <laughs> it, it depends on what time you started, right? Exactly. <laughs> but, exactly. Um, and are, when you want to finish. Are there, so, are, are there some better after dark drinks? You know, when you're when you're uh, at, at the bar or you're at the party, and it's you know ten o'clock and. You know, you, you, you're not going to stay up all night, but it's a nighttime thing. You're there with your nice, smooth suit on and your tie. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you're standing there looking like the overweight lovers in the house. I'm just trying to paint my current pandemic's look. But uh, sure. <laughs> uh, what would you, would, would, the, would the martini, is that the appropriate uh, drink. I always thought that that, and so that's not going too basic, right? I shouldn't come out with something else. If I don't want a martini, what else would I ask for? Um, yeah, so a martini is very booze heavy. Um, so I probably and wouldn't it, recommend it in the morning unless you're looking to, you know, get after it right away. And this, <laughs> uh, of course, uh, is uh, talking about a, a I like how he martini. said get at. I like how you said uh, yeah, get, yeah, after, get it after it right away. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so so we're not going to do. So specifically uh, so, for like so, after after dinner, you're talking about like like trying yeah, to like yeah. wind down the night. Sure. Um, so obviously there's like sweet yeah. drinks, so things that are sweeter, more like dessert style drinks, um, is an option. Um, otherwise, there is a category of bitter drinks. So bitters, drinks that are bitter. Um, or have things that are bitter in them are known to kind of settle your stomach um, and things that are, you know, intended to be for an after dinner cocktail, if you will, a digestif, um, if you will. Um, there's a category called oh. Amaro um, or Amari. So things like um, Fernet is a really good after dinner drink. Um, I don't know if you've heard of, hmm. of Fernet before, um, but it kind of tastes kind of menthol-y. No. Um, if you've never had it before, you might not enjoy it. But I'd argue the more you try yeah. it, uh, yeah, the more you'll like it. Now, is that a um, is, is that a mixed mixed drink? That's a mixed drink. Uh, or, or is that no. a liqueur? So it's a yeah. It's it's a, it's um it's like a bitter liqueur. Um, it's it's okay. in its own okay. like bottle. It's its own it's its own like um liquor liqueur. Uh, its own ingredient. Okay. Um, but any any cocktails okay. that have any like sort of amaro, anything that's like kind of bitter, um, so you, it's something that that would that would go well. 
um, vermouth, technically. And did I, did I hear you say, Go ahead. Did I hear you say something that would settle your stomach? Is that what you said at first? You said something yeah, about yeah, the so, stomach and bitter. Yeah, so bitters, like uh, uh, the category of amari or amaro, um, has yeah. like bittering flavors in it or bittering agents, uh, bittering huh. ingredients, um, and, and things that are, are bitter are known to kind of settle your, settle your stomach. Um, and some bitters, some bitters are known to kind of settle your stomach. Other bitters are known to like be good for um, before dinner. Um, so things like Negronis, uh, you, you can argue that bitters can be good for before or after a meal just because of its impact on, on your stomach. So anything with um, okay. any sort of bittering agent, if you will, or bittering ingredient, mm. bittering liqueur, whether it's Fernet or Aperol or Campari, like in a Negroni, um, those are things you can add before or after meals um, and, and kind of feel like you fit in with the crowd. <laughs> Ross, mm. like you know uh, what you're did doing. you know that, Howard? Uh, no, I don't know any of this. That's why I, that's why I called Ross. <laughs> you know, uh, Ross, think of a couple of your favorite recipes or a couple of recipes that might work for Steve and I, and you can give those when we come back. But uh, it is break time on Back to You, so we will be right back. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, we discuss which Ferraris may be underappreciated by collectors. Plus, a very rare NSU rotary that's sold for a very respectable price. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Hostable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Back to you with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Oh, I'm Steve Baskerville. And I'm Howard Sudbury. And we talk about... He's gone rogue. Whatever we talk about, we're the Ramblin' Boys. I don't know what to add. He's all the characters. This is a one-man show. (laughs) And friends! Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com We are back. This is Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. And our guest hey, is... Hey, you're not fooling anybody. Go ahead. Go, uh, say who wait, our guest what do you is. mean? Say who our guest is. You're uh, just not fooling anybody. Like like break time meant rest time. How many more did you stir up during the so-called break time? Why don't you let that go? <laughs> huh? It's not funny. We, break time. I thought we determined that Howard is, is shaking drinks, not stirring drinks. Yeah. I could shake it up <laughs> right, right now. Yeah. Did you not? Did you listen to anything that I taught you? <laughs> <laughs> He's over. Ross Howard is shaking up about ten or eleven drinks. That's the problem. Yeah, I'm, yeah fair. I'm All moderation, Howard. Yeah, I know. <laughs> all right, exactly. Our guest is uh, Ross Hunt, and you can reach Ross at unmuddledbartending.com. And uh, Ross, yes. before we went to the break that uh, Steve described so inaccurately a second ago um tell me tell me a couple of recipes that uh you know that you would uh, you would get like a whiskey drink first of all let's go with a brown liquor yeah um so if this was something for um for steve i would um and i've, I've mentioned this already a few times um is the the old-fashioned um traditionally made with bourbon but you can make it with any sort of um whiskey whether it's rye or, or another type of whiskey but an old-fashioned is a nice stirred drink it's very booze forward um that, that i think howard would enjoy sipping on on the couch wow um 
and just just three ingredients and that's all you need and and it's a it's a delicious drink that has a lot of different variations as well um which would be a, a good one a good one for steve and then um if you want to do like a shaken version of that um you could do something like a whiskey sour which again is pretty much just three ingredients whiskey lemon juice and simple syrup um this one is shaken instead of instead of stirred um but you can also for someone like you um howard instead of you know whiskey you can swap out the whiskey for vodka um you can just have kind of like a vodka sour um which is a shaken drink with with vodka um some sort of citrus whether it's lemon or lime juice and then some sort of sweetener um traditionally simple syrup um and again super simple three ingredients shake it up and and you're good to go Steve, Steve, did we lose Steve? Unbelievable! He's, he's, he's stirring his drink now. I think Steve is actually—he's <laughs> laying on the couch, and uh, he passed out from the drink that you. I think yeah. Let's see if he answers. He was trying to deflect onto you. Yeah, I know it's ridiculous. We've been Classic friends for Steve. so many years. Yeah, <laughs> you talk to him for twenty minutes, and you you know him already, Steve. Been, How long did he go? We talked for probably 20, 20, 25 minutes, and it was probably the best part of the podcast. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Ross, Ross I'm talking about kidding. it was. I, you didn't even realize. I don't know what happened. I'm obviously back, but I, I don't know how to explain. See, this is that, uh, that world we're in now where we're trying to do things so differently, Ross, with Howard over there and his... Uh, what are you on a bedroom somewhere, Howard? Right? Uh, yeah, I'm in a little I'm office I'm, that I use in my house. I'm over. I'm over here in the basement. I, you know, I, I we're trying to make it work. Yeah, but I do don't care do. because. But you know what, Ross? I am not upset about it because I've got a king size martini now. There you, you go. You inspired me. <laughs> <laughs> Ross doesn't like so, that necessarily because, well, it, it depends <laughs> on if it's vodka or gin. Um, Ross, no, no. <laughs> one thing I wanted yeah, to know is for somebody at your house, and yeah. you have friends over once in a while, you entertain, but you know you don't throw huge dinner parties or whatever. But you want to have, you want to have a bar that's uh, well stocked. So tell me the basics of what would be well stocked. Um, sure. So, um, I think variety is important. Um, you don't want too much variety, but, um, at minimum, I'd say an unaged liquor and an aged liquor. Um, so something like vodka, um, or gin, um, or Blanco tequila, if not all three. Um, so that would be kind of the unaged category. Um, and then I would also recommend having something aged or darker, um, some sort of whiskey. Um, I'd say nowadays, um, bourbons are probably the most popular. Bourbons are a little sweeter than some other types of whiskeys. Um, another type of American whiskey is rye. Rye is a little bit spicier. If I had to opt for one, I'd probably choose bourbon because, again, I think that's a little more popular nowadays. Um, that said, if you think your guests like something a little spicier, you can reach for, for a rye bourbon. Um, and then some of the other, you know, aged liquors, so like a, a scotch or an aged brandy, um, and, and some other aged, aged liquors, um, 
are great to have. Um, I wouldn't say that most people, um, if they're not like into mixology, like necessarily would be expecting something like that. Um, so I'd say just one bottle of some sort of aged whiskey would, would, would be enough um, for, for like a smaller dinner party. If you're looking to impress people, you can get like a nice bottle of scotch, um, something that you would either sip or maybe have in like a whiskey highball. Um, but uh, um, yeah, just, just one, one nice bottle of, of bourbon I think will do. Um, a, a bottle of bitters I would say would, would go great on a bar cart um, for, for a party. Um, so something like Angostura aromatic bitters is probably the most popular, the most mainstream um, type of bitters. It's the one with like the white uh, paper label that's like wrapped around the, the bottle and then a yellow cap. I'm sure you've, you've seen it around at bars or at stores. Yes. Um, that, that'll last you a long time because a little bit goes a long way. I'd say that's that's pretty important. Um, and then some sort of, of sweetener, um, whether it's simple syrup. Simple syrup is probably the most popular, um, like a bottle of simple syrup. Um, or you can make your own fresh simple syrup that you can keep in the fridge. Um, just one part water and one part sugar. Um, just, you know, shake it up in a mason jar or, or whisk it in over a low heat until it combines and keep that in the fridge. Um, and then some sort of citrus, whether it is to mix drinks with or just as a garnish. Um, lime juice pairs better. As a rule of thumb, lime juice pairs well with um, unaged liquors like vodkas or gins. And lemon juice or lemon wedges pair better with aged liquors. So like that bourbon um, or, or other darker aged liquors typically go well with, with lemon juice. Um, rule of thumb, so you can you know do whatever you have on hand if you needed a citrus. Um, but to have in some... Citrus on the counter or in the fridge would, would be nice to have as well, just in case. Ross, um, it'll be a miracle of this air. It's the way that we're treating it. If I would have known this was how it was going to go, I would have never agreed. To it. <laughs> <laughs> or you, no, 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 no. You would have had a few stiff drinks and we would have been fine. Now, um, <laughs> Ross. Ross, are there any common mistakes that people make as when, when they're trying to mix drinks and uh, when they've got company over? Are there things that traps we fall into that we, we should avoid coming from someone like you who is a professional yeah. at it? Uh, professional. Um, oh, I'm getting another call. Yeah. Take it. Should, should, should I drop now? Yeah, I might as well. Um, you know, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, uh, wow. I will decline. This it's is... my front door. I probably have like an Amazon package or something. Decline. All right. You guys still there? Yeah. I, All right. Oh, cool. yeah. <laughs> go get your package. I want to know what it I, is. No, I, I, I do, that. too. I, yeah, like... go get the package. <laughs> if you want to get the package, you can get the package. We'll wait for you. <laughs> I'm actually not sure what it is. I usually like know what I'm expecting. That in this case, I don't know. Um, but that's okay. It can, yeah. it can sit out in the rain for a little bit longer. Um, common mistakes. Yeah, there's a few things that come to mind. Um, one is not using fresh ingredients um, if you have access to them. Um, mm -hmm. I'd say the simplest way to up your cocktail game is using, you know, fresh squeezed citrus or freshly made, um, simple syrups. Um, it's just a really easy and cost effective way to up your cocktail game and you can really taste, taste the difference. Um, so using mm -hmm. like the bottled shelf stable citrus, um, I, I would not recommend doing that. It is convenient, but, um, again, you'll taste the difference between using, using the fresh stuff. Um, so that would be number one. 
Um, number two is a lot of times if you're having a party and you're not going to hire um, help, like unlevel bartending, to come bartend for you, <laughs> um, you can choose to uh-huh. um, batch your drinks ahead of time. So basically, um, make like a punch or you know take a cocktail recipe and just multiply it by um, however many drinks you're looking to make. You can just make it into um, different bottles or bigger bottles or like in a punch bowl. Um, some, a common mistake that people make though, is, is to not consider dilution. Um, so a lot of, um, you know, up to, you know, a quarter, if not more of a drink is actually water, um, of a cocktail. So if you're, if you're batching a cocktail and you just like take the recipe as is and just multiply it by, you know, 10 and put it in a bottle and serve it that way, you're, you're forgetting about dilution. Um, so you're really over serving Mm. people. Um, and it's going to be a lot stronger than what you would expect in a normal cocktail. So accounting for dilution is important, um, whether you just, you know, add some water to the final final bottle um, or um, serve it with some extra ice and the ice will melt and, and create the dilution effect. Um, so that's, that's kind of a common common thing to, to miss. Um, there was one other thing I was thinking of, but I don't remember what it was. Maybe it'll come back to me. Well, you know, you mentioned, I mean, I think the most important thing that you can do, and I'm not a mixologist by any means, but I did make margaritas a few months ago. And Mm -hmm. I just went on YouTube and looked at the recipe. And when you squeeze the citrus, squeeze the limes, you know, by hand, and then make your simple syrup, which is not that hard to do, Mm -hmm. um, and put that together, I mean, you're a long way toward making a great cocktail, aren't you? Yeah, you just need um, about three ingredients to make a, a nice sour type of cocktail, um, similar to um, a daiquiri or, or a version of the margarita or a whiskey sour. You just need three simple um, cocktails, or sorry, three simple ingredients, and, and you're you're good to go. Um, like I said a little bit before, my favorite um, margarita recipe is so tr- traditionally a margarita has triple sec or some sort of orange liqueur. Yeah. Um, there's this there's this guy from Southern California. His name's Julio Barmejo, and um, he, um, long story short, kind of became the ambassador of tequila to America. Um, he had a restaurant called Tommy's Restaurant down in Southern Southern California. Um, and when that was kind of up and coming at the time, margaritas were really just made with triple sec and you had a heavy pour, relatively heavy pour of the orange liqueur. And it was kind of sweet and overpowering the tequila because the tequila at that time wasn't all made from 100% agave and just wasn't the best tasting tequila. Um, and this guy, Julio, um, he would always, I think his story was that he would, would drink often and would always get hungover until he had like a good tasting tequila. And then he's like, this good tequila, like isn't making me hungover. Um, and he wanted to kind of share that with the world. Mm. Um, so he, um, he basically introduced, you know, good tequila to his restaurant. Um, and, um, and instead of using a triple sec, he really wanted to feature the tequila cause it did taste good. Um, so he kind of forego or took out the triple sec and just used the tequila uh, agave, nectar, and lime juice, and that was it. And it really featured the the tequila, and it became known as what's called the Tommy's Margarita. And around the world, you can go to most good cocktail bars, and they'll know what the Tommy's Margarita is relative to 
a uh, traditional margarita with, with the triple sec. But again, it's one of those three ingredient cocktails that is delicious and easy and simple, um, simple to do that you can, you know, just do, do at home. You made me remember, Ross, something that uh, uh, this is story time, Howard. Should I tell a quick story, just a quick one? Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Huh? Oh, okay. Should I, should I sit down? <laughs> uh, have a drink, Ross. <laughs> is, is, is now, now, is see, now the time to go get my package? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are terrible. You're That's terrible. Beautiful. This is awful. This is awful. But uh, back in the day, Ross, this is a long time ago, and uh, uh, we used to go to a place called the Latin Casino in New Jersey. And uh, yeah. the Latin Casino was a big club where you could see and uh, big performers like James Brown or the Temptations. Or I'm, I'm just kidding. The, 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 <laughs> <laughs> this story, this story is for this story is for all the teetotalers out there. It's okay. for everybody. Uh, so everybody you, over so, seventy. So you, <laughs> you go. No, no. But hear me out, Ross. Come on, stay. Don't go get that back. Listen, stay I'm and listen a little I'm bit listening. longer. Okay, so uh, you go to the Latin Casino, and the Latin Casino had uh, a policy where before the performers came out, you had to order your drinks because during the performance, no drinks were taken by the by the uh, waiters or waitresses. So you'd wind up having three or four of the same kind of drink in front of you to last you through the three-hour experience or whatever it was. So okay. at, to be cool... Uh, I don't know, we were young guys and we had our dates there and I, you know, you don't know much about, you know, real drinks to order. I can remember clearly there was one drink that I used to order uh, more often than not because I liked the sound of the name of it and I'd have about four or five of these things piled up in front of me when the waiter would come around and the name of that drink was a rusty nail. You ever heard of a rusty nail? I have. Um, <laughs> it was some. It, it was some dark. It? it was a dark drink. Uh, it it was. Nail. I don't even remember what was in it. It was a dark drink. Maybe it was a scotch or so. I if it wasn't a rusty nail, I'd get a tequila sunrise. Okay. And that had that had orange juice in it, right? With tequila. But uh, uh, the rusty yeah. nail had like a manly name and that's why i always chose it but <laughs> you're a man but yeah there's yeah there you go but if you sit through a james brown performance after having four rusty nails more power to you because because <laughs> you you wake up the you'd wake up the next day and you don't even remember that there was a concert that's yeah, the go. problem with, with the you know and i'm sure i took four or five drinks that were meant to be stirred and, uh, and, and sipped Slammed them back. and sipped yep. for the duration. And uh, wow. Now are there any, and, and you wake up the next day, just feeling terrible. I just felt awful. Your head is exploding. Are there certain sure. mixed drinks that, that won't guarantee it, but are less likely to give you a hangover? Um, the, the less sugar content, I would, I mean, first of all, I'm not a scientist or a doctor and, and from what I no. have heard and understood, it's, you know, sure. it's yeah. just about your 
personal body and how you consume alcohol and digest it. Um, and it just has to do with the amount of alcohol, whether it's, you know, whatever alcohol you have, Mm -hmm. um, based Mm -hmm. on personal experience, um, something that is not full of sugar. Um, so easy on the liqueurs, easy on cocktails with a lot of sugar in them. Um, alcohols that are made from like natural ingredients. So don't have like added sugars to them. So for tequila, for example, um, I keep saying, 100% 100% agave on tequila, and that's because yeah. um, in, the, yeah. in the tequila category, there are some tequilas that are made um, from, all tequilas are made from at least 51% agave, um, but then there's others that are, in addition to that agave, have like other sugars added to it um, that aren't um, yeah. from agave, so it's just kind of filler sweeteners, if you will. Um, some yeah. are fine, yeah. some just like are kind of um, relatively not great tasting and, and leaving you feel not great the next day. So anything that, as natural as possible, the least amount of sugar um, as possible. Um, and then just moderation, I suppose <laughs> would be good. And I also wanted to correct myself. I did a quick Google to rem- to refresh what a rusty nail was. It does not have orange juice. Okay. Um, it is scotch. Like you said, it it's scotch not. and right. uh, scotch and grambouille, um, which is a liqueur Ooh. made from, I believe from scotch oh and like some honey and other spices. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, I can't remember. I can't. Now, uh, oh, does that sound appealing to you, <laughs> Ross? <laughs> yeah. Would yeah, you Would I, you drink I, that? You would. I, I would maybe re- request well, a different name. Just the, the rusty nail is a little. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> archaic. <laughs> all right. Now, just, yeah. Archaic. <laughs> wait. Describe those. Wait. Wait. Describe those ingredients again. Just say say what's uh, in the rusty nail one more time. Sure. So what's uh, in it? Scotch. Scotch whiskey, uh-huh. and okay. and drambuie, drambuie. Okay, okay. Now, Ross, I want you to imagine you're there with your date, and three <laughs> hours go by after watching James Brown, and yeah. you've had four of those. Oh boy! How do you think you'd feel? I. Uh... That's not. You're <laughs> 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 gonna have to carry me out of there. Uh, that's, that's a horrible experience, isn't it? That's a terrible uh, yeah. experience to put yourself through. <laughs> the, the, what you describe, but that was being, that's young and foolish, Ross. That's what I was. Young like. and foolish. I have that's not okay. since those, since those days, I've never asked for a rusty nail again. So that is so antiquated that people wouldn't even stroll into a bar and ask for a rusty nail now, would they? That's, that's too <laughs> yeah, old, right? Yeah, there's like some, I mean, there's a the classic cocktail that like everyone, like the old fashioned martini that like Manhattan, that classic set yeah. Never fade, it seems. Um, yeah. Rusty nail maybe is one that, that would perhaps fade. <laughs> that faded, maybe. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, Ross, um, the last thing here I want to ask you is, uh, and you alluded to it, when Steve was asking about hangovers and, you know, what you're going to feel worse, you know, yeah. whatever you drank the night before, um, does it make a difference or or how much difference does it make in how much you spend on each liquor category, um, you know, a cheap vodka versus, uh, you know, an expensive one, tequila, etc. So does paying more make a difference? Um, to a certain extent, I would say it does. Um, so for, for vodka, up to a certain point um, in, in um, price point or in shelf, quote unquote, if you will, um, 
the more you pay for a vodka, because a well-made vodka is, you know, tasteless and odorless, um, you don't necessarily need to spend a ton of money on, on a good vodka because they're all, um, they may be all made from a different raw material. Um, but, um, you know, they all generally will taste the same, Yeah. especially in a cocktail. So you don't want to go for a bottom, bottom shelf, but like a mid tier, um, type of vodka. Um, there's really no need to, to splurge on anything super expensive mm. unless you're just trying to in- impress someone. <laughs> um, and then other things, um, you can, in pretty much any category, you can get a good, decent, um, you know, product at, at a, at a decent price point, um, at, at a good value. So I wouldn't say that you need to spend a lot of money necessarily on a particular type of liquor to be able to enjoy it and to be able to not get hungover. Um, that said, there are certain things that, you know, are worth spending more money on. Um, so things like scotches or bourbons or things that are aged, um, things that are typically aged longer typically are more expensive just because they take longer to make and it's just kind of a harder process to go through for the distiller. Um, so things that are, you know, blended different ways that are used in different barrels that are been used previously for certain other things that are aged for longer. And then they like mix them and blend them. And there's just a lot of complexity that can be gained from, um, you know, blending or for paying top dollar for something that's been aged um, or blended in a complex manner. Just like wine. Um, just like wine. Yeah, exactly. And, th- and those are things that you'll typically want to sip or use in like small amounts in cocktails. Um, just because one, you spent a lot of money on it, so you don't want it to go <laughs> very quickly. Um, but also just because, you know, you don't want when, when you things are aged, a lot of the oak character kind of takes over. Um, a lot of the, you know, bite of the liquor, if you will. Um, so it won't really hold up very well in a cocktail when it has a lot of other ingredients added to it. So you really just want to sip it as is, either on ice or neat or perhaps a little bit of water. Um, but to, to answer your initial question, as I ramble, um, I wouldn't say that there's a specific category that you would, quote unquote, need to spend um, a lot of money on um, to, to, get a, to get a good product. Are there any of these liquors that you would hold on to because they would increase in value and you wouldn't open them? Like um, baseball cards you save? Yeah. <laughs> no, there's, I, there's no collection that you, do they age? Can they age well? I mean, do they, do I have to worry that I haven't opened that bottle of whiskey in a couple of years? Will it still taste as good? Yeah, it'll still taste good. You don't have to good. worry about um, them. Especially if you haven't, okay. if you haven't opened it. Um, if you had opened right. it and then closed it once, like it'll still taste fine. It lasts pretty much indefinitely be, um, because it's, you know, um, 40% or above alcohol. Um, the, the higher proof, the, the longer it'll, it'll last. Um, do I have the, to, do I have to proof. store it in a certain place? Uh, not just like a cool, like a cool dry place. Like you don't want to keep it like sunlight is, uh, you basically want to protect against oxidization. So keeping the top off of it for too long or leaving it in sunlight, um, especially if it's in a clear bottle, those are things that will have an impact on flavor and oxidization. Um, so away from sunlight, away from a window, keep the top on it as long as you can, assuming it's a liquor. Um, cause those are things once oxygen gets added to it, uh, it starts to oxidize, which right. in theory impacts flavor. Um, so if, if you have like a brand new bottle of something and something that you've had for a while that yeah. has been opened once, um, if you tasted them side by side, right. you'll, 
possibly be able to tell the difference. But if you just have like an old bottle from, you know, a while ago that you just haven't drank in a while, um, it's still, right. you know, should, should be good, good quality to, to drink. Now I have one more question, Howard, I want to ask Ross just out of curiosity. Ross, do you or do you not ever watch Bar Rescue? <laughs> Can always use some more John Taffer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, in, so you, in my yeah, in my my aspiring bartending days, um, which which I would still consider these are my still aspiring bartending days because I'm uh, still yeah. like, wanting to learn uh-huh. more. But back a few years uh-huh. ago, I would literally like watch shows like Bar Rescue and like take notes <laughs> on like different things that, that you would point out. <laughs> um, but it is yeah, his approach to to um teaching if you will is a little different than mine yeah <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah but uh yeah. yeah he seems like like a he's a smart guy and and yeah i, I have seen bar rescue and, and enjoy the show yeah he's got a nice he, stick going there's no question about it it's addictive yeah. when you get going on on bar rescues and then i leave it for a while but i always come back to john tapper yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, Ross, it's one of those shows that's, about, that's always on, like in like a marathon format. Yes. Like you'll just like you'll start yeah. like cruising the channels, yeah. and you'll see like, oh, there's like five hours of our rescue. I know what I'm doing this afternoon. Right, you forgot about <laughs> it for like three yeah. months, and then and then you pop it on, and there it is, and you watch like three hours of them. Yeah, exactly. Right, then throw on some uh, throw on some Family Feud and some below deck Mediterranean, <laughs> and then that's my whole twenty four hours right there. There's some old That's references that uh, Ross doesn't know what you're talking about again. Hey, Ross, <laughs> we're going to let you no. go. Uh, you're right. with unmetal, unmodeledbartending.com. And yep. uh, tell us where else uh, they can reach you and what you do and what kind of services you offer. Yeah, yeah. So I alluded to this a little bit before, so I'm sorry to, to repeat. But, yeah, unmuddledbartending.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at drinkunmuddled. Um, again, at Drink Unmuddled. And, uh, yeah, provide uh, interactive bar services for events, um, whether it's at your house or corporate events, corporate function, holiday parties, um, as well as weddings. And then interactive mixology classes, both virtual and in-person. Um, and, uh, yeah, starting to actually weirdly get prepared for holiday-themed classes and events. Um, I know summer is just, like, coming to an end so it's weird to talk about holidays but getting geared up for the holiday season already which is kind of weird um and uh yeah look forward to hopefully uh working with you guys and, and thanks to you guys Stephen howard for having well, me so this, this was uh, a lot of fun enjoy talking to you guys ross i really enjoyed it i learned some things and um uh i know what category i fit in i like being the dude <laughs> who's stirred not shaken and uh I promise not to ever, ever again in life to have another rusty nail. Uh, so you can count on that. And, uh, and, and the only thing can... I'm waiting for. Uh, uh, what'd you say? I was just going to say, t- taste is personal. So if you enjoy a rusty nail, don't let me shame you into not <laughs> enjoying that rusty nail. Listening to James Brown. You, you do you. <laughs> Well, Ross, uh, you know what? This was a lot of fun, and um, yeah. Steve and I, when we get together, at some point we're going to have a cocktail party, and uh, we're going to yes. have and we're going to have you out to uh, you know uh, educate us and make mix some drinks for us, and it'll be a lot of fun. So I look forward to that. Yeah, yeah, I love I love that. Thanks, Howard.
Ross, go get that package because I don't want it rain soaked <laughs> sitting out there. <laughs> Me either. I hope they put it under some sort you. of awning or something. Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, but, and and then I'll follow up and let you know what it is because I know that's really what you're curious about. Yeah. Yes. No. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm dying <laughs> yeah, to know that. now. <laughs> All right, me Ross. Too, too. Thank you, man. <laughs> Thank See you, Ross. Appreciate it. it. Talk to this you soon. Fun. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Stay well, guys. Thanks, Ross. Bye. Okay. Steve, I learned a lot. I did too. That was fun. For, it was for what fun. I could I mean, hear and be a part of. <laughs> I wasn't there for all of it. You left. For what for a I heard sounded minutes. pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. Um, um, yeah. You know, no, it was it was really nice. One yeah. thing that I've always been fascinated about is that, um, like with music, you know, there's an infinite amount of combinations of notes that can create a song or a melody. And it goes on and on and on. It seems to be the same thing with recipes for cocktails. Yeah, and then you drink them on and on and on. <laughs> <laughs> that was a theme going on through here uh, yeah. where you kept I figured I figured I'd jump that. on that you before. You kept saying that. You kept saying it. Yeah, I was going to jump on it. I was jumped on it before you would jump on it for me. <laughs> it was a preemptive strike. Uh, well, I'm uh, I'm learning something every week when we do these things. That was uh, uh, very educational for me. Oh, he's a he's a and good I, guy, and really, I mean, you know, if if I had a cocktail party or had some people over for dinner, and had my bar set up, and you said. And I said, hey, Steve, what do you want? And you said a Manhattan. I wouldn't know what to do. You know? No. I mean, but I'm not a now, bartender. I don't know. Sure. Sure. But now you know that you how to rustle up a, a rusty nail for me. A rusty nail. I don't even need to ask yeah. you what you want. <laughs> because now I know it's a rusty nail. I don't. I didn't want it then, and I don't want it now. I just uh, went you've by had the one name already. of it. Um, let me find sounded, this. Uh, I found really. a I found a uh, famous quote from Sinatra. Yeah, about drinking. Yeah, here it is. I feel sorry for people who don't drink. When they wake up in the morning, that's as good as they're going to feel all day. Yes. Supposedly <laughs> yes, that was right. Sinatra. Yeah. That's like Dean Martin taking a sip of his drink and then looking up at the audience and saying, hey, how did all these people get in my room? <laughs> right. And the funny thing about that is, <clears throat> is that uh, yeah. from what I've read, that Dean Martin wasn't a drinker at all, but that was his persona. No. Sure. Um, I and, and once again, I'm not a, and I don't classify you as heavy drinkers, but, no. but I am curious about about mixing uh, drinks and doing things properly. Just like when we had our chef giving us tips on uh, cooking various things. I don't cook a lot, but it's nice right. to know if it ever came up. Right. Well, I mean, the thing is, I think we both learned, at least I did a long time ago, that um, the more you drink, uh, the the night does not get better. Uh, and the next day is terrible. So... You know, overdoing it is horrible. And you usually learn that at a young age. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, 
the clock on the wall is telling me that I got to make a decision now to hang this up and either get a martini or uh, some kind of uh, uh, gin drink or something to do with my uh, vodka. But, and I have choices to make. Well, before you hang it up. Or either just say, yeah, yeah. We have to thank our executive producer, Tony Lasano. Yes, we do. With opishows.com. Opi is hippo backwards, O-P-P-I-H dot com, shows dot com. And our show is distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great Talk radio is not dead. Hmm, tequila and tonic. Maybe that's what I'll have. It moved to a better place. It certainly did. Radiomisfits.com. So we thank uh, those guys for helping us uh, get on the air with this or in the air with it. And we thank our guest, Ross Hunt. Yes. Good time today. It was. All right. And the only, only thing I have to say is uh, until the next episode... Stay well, stay safe, and stay sober. Two out of three ain't bad. See ya. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. We'll look at who spent all the money to bring in the new players and the winners and losers of this year's Premier League. And we'll also tell you what great new games are coming because the Premier League is back. Listen to Free Kicks on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. If you missed Los Ano or Los Los Ano and friends, here's what you missed. John, guess who's joining us on the phone? Take a guess. Having the slightest idea, Tony. (laughs) It's your daughter, Amy Landecker. What do you know? The star of Amazon's Transparent. Hi, honey. Hi, Dad. I know you get this question a lot. Amy, is records truly your paternal grandmother's family name? It's so wild. I mean, I think the weirdest part is not only that his middle name was yeah. records, but that he also used to pretend to be a disc jockey in his closet when he was a little kid. So the whole thing just feels He's really yeah. predestined John, in like a major way. John, you told me you had tapes. You used to record yourself. Uh, Mo, you know, if you ask a lot of people yeah. that are on the air now when they were little, that happens a lot. Yeah, I, know. I did. You yeah, know, I yeah. pretended to have a radio I'm station still doing it. Uh, <laughs> in, in my room and uh, took out library books. Uh, this is your announcer. Right. And tape recorded uh, songs off local radio station and pretended this and that. I also had a thing where I thought I might be a sportscaster because uh, I lived in Ann Arbor, Michigan and listened to the University of Michigan uh, football all the time on the radio. And there was a guy named Bob Eufer, and this guy is insane. But I thought it was fantastic. So <clears throat> I got a sound effects records of a crowd cheering and right, stuff, and right. I put it on a turntable, and I'd, here's it from the final minute of the game, and here comes a... <laughs> Radio Misfits. Get more Lausano and Friends. Lausano. Now on Lausano.com. Good luck trying to spell Lausano or whatever it's called. Uh, Stop the recording right now. Hit the recording stop. Hello? Did we lose everybody?
Is this over? Yes. 